0: Welcome to our EEI energy and climate podcast. I'm Lin Jiaqiao from my EEI and with my colleague Zhao Ang today. ROCK Environment and Energy Institute is a Beijing-based independent think tank with a focus on climate policy and energy transition. In the last week's episode, Zhao Ang and I talked about the power restrictions in China. We also discussed the reasons implications behind this round of power deficits. If you are interested, please give it a listen this episode we will introduce the newly released report by iea namely international energy and agency so focusing on china and outlines a roadmap for china's made and long-term climate target
1: this iea report release was held in beijing on 29th september 2021 just about a week ago the name of the report an energy sector roadmap to carbon neutrality in China. So this is a highly expected analysis on how China to pursue its net zero targets of energy sector. The report is done by IEA's Energy Technology Policy Division with a lot of the contributions from Chinese experts.
0: That's true. When IEA released the flagship report, net zero by 2050, in China in April this year. I was there at the press release event, and I still remember that some asked about the IEA when they will release a China-specific report, and they said it's being drafted. So after around half a year, just before COP26 in Glasgow, a China-focused carbon neutrality roadmap came into publication.
1: Yeah, as China has issued its dual carbon target, namely carbon emissions peaking before 2030 and carbon neutrality before 2060, the IES report is to offer a feasibility report in the aspects of technology, finance, and the policy. The report has a big appealing that China may get huge amount of social, economic, and environmental benefits, not only for the country itself, but also for the world. If China achieves early carbon emissions peak and early carbon neutrality or net zero emissions or the energy sector.
0: That's right. Those IEA reports they emphasize a lot of the co benefits of China's early peaking and even earlier achievements of the carbon neutrality goal. So that's understandable. And the timing of the level of China reaching its national carbon emission peak will have a huge impact on China's pathway of achieving net zero target by 2060. To pursue a two degrees Celsius or 1.5 degrees Celsius target, China has to do more to peak early and reach carbon neutrality early. So, Jiaqiao,
1: before we proceed the discussion, let's make one thing clear. IEA's report is about the net zero target of the energy sector, which includes energy consumption from fossil fuel uh, combustion, like power, like transport or like building, and also industrial processes. Well, China's carbon neutrality by 2060 refers to the entire uh, economy, including energy sector and other sectors. So based on the IEA data in 2020, China's national carbon emissions is 13 gigaton CO2 equivalent, almost 90% of which more than 11 gigaton CO2 equivalent comes from energy sector. So in this sense, IEA reports on energy sector net zero target is nearly same as economy-wide carbon neutrality target because uh, apart from the energy sector, China's other carbon emissions come from the Lulucef sector. In addition, this is a 300-page report and it covers both the near-term strategy and the long-term strategy on decarbonization. In today's episode, we would like to concentrate on the near-term target, meaning what IEA thinks about China to reach a carbon emissions peak as early as 2025. In the next episode, we will focus on the long-term strategy, the roadmap for China to arrive in the net zero emissions energy sector.
0: That's making sense because that's a so long report. And we'll do this in two episodes. And this one will be focusing on the near, near term, say, uh, before 2030. And the other one will be targeting 2060. Right. Um. I think it's important to talk about the near term target if... China may peak its carbon emissions around 2025. It will be possible to envision the carbon neutrality around maybe 2055 or even earlier, say 2050. At least under the goal of global 1.5 degrees Celsius situation, the world carbon emissions needs to be net zero by 2050, right? So whether that scenario is achievable largely depends on if China can reach early carbon neutrality. That's why IEA use a whole chapter, the chapter five, to illustrate it's reasonable and attainable for China to reach an early carbon peak. So, Zhao Wang, why is IEA report showing this much confidence with the early peaking of China? And what are the major policy recommendations?
1: Yeah, I think this long report, according to my impression after reading through it, uh, IEA's confidence in China's efforts and achievements in targets of uh, no matter carbon peaking or carbon neutrality is very obvious. It's largely dependent on the past experience because China has done very successfully uh, in the past two, uh, one decade in the renewable energy development and other low carbon technologies. So this is kind of the context we may think helpful for us to go further discussion. Proposing a more ambitious roadmap, I introduce a new scenario called Accelerated Transition Scenario, ATS in short. And this scenario is against APS, Announced pledges Scenario. And the APS is applied in discussing China's long-term carbon neutrality roadmap. So from now to 2025, both ATS and APS are in the same track in the carbon emission amount in energy sector. But their difference is after 2025. Uh, in 2026 to 2030, under the ATS, again, accelerated transition scenario, carbon emissions will decline by 4% each year. So consecutively for five years, right? In 2030, carbon emissions of China uh, is about 9.5 gig tons, which is 19% below the emissions under APS announced pledge scenario. That's quite significant difference.
0: That's right. If you see the data... 60% of the contributions comes from a reduced use of coal in the power sector and 30% of the contributions comes from industrial and the transport sectors. And we mentioned the coal benefits in the very beginning. So there are two big aspects of benefits. Firstly, this early peaking in 2025 may bring more jobs in clean energy industries. Close to one million drops, I mean, more than the number under the APS. So this is uh, a big social and economic benefits combined with the public health ones, if you consider uh, comprehensively. While the population levels are uh, reduced, I mean, under this scenario. So the second aspect is for the decarbonization track from 2030 to 2060. As the additional efforts in 2026 to 2030, China's carbon neutrality map will be more smooth due to avoided stranded assets generated in 2026 to 2030, and less burden thanks to carbon emissions peaking level, which is lower than what the APS suggests. That sounds good, but
1: uh, let's see the major sectors under the two scenarios. And uh, as you mentioned, the major contribution comes from the coal uh, use, uh, uh, the, the reduced coal use. Uh, so let's start with the, the coal consumption in the power sector. The share of the coal in total electricity generation falls from uh, roughly uh, 63% in 2020 to 38% in 2030 in the ATS scenario. Another 25% of the lower coal demand in 2030 relative to the APS is from the industrial processes. So coal use in iron uh, and the steel production is responsible for about 40% of the decline in industrial coal use uh, relatively to APS and, and followed by cement production. So that's why when we talk about the carbon emission reduction efforts in industries, we usually put iron, steel, and cement in priority. So in this sense, uh, the report also mentioned uh, when China used more coal and uh, other fossil fuels like oil and the gas, the methane uh, production is also a huge problem. So if we reduce the consumption of that that fossil fuels and also use some technology to control the leaking of the methane reduction Can help to reduce about 20 plus uh, million tons CO2 by 2030 under the ATS scenario.
0: Yes, but to me, the proportion is rather small. You mentioned around 20 million tons difference between the two scenarios, but that's methane that needs to multiply by uh, 25. the CO2 calculation so if you calculate it by multiply uh, 25 so i think that's a rather big amount of emissions reduction so methane is something that's um, easy to be neglected and uh, should be paid special attention and uh, this report emphasizes this under the APS scenario so let's look at the other big consumer of coal the industrial Uh, processes. So so what is the the, the big consumption of coal in the industrial processes? Uh, This report, they gave uh, the cement production and also the steel production. These are the two major ones. And if you see the industrial energy intensity uh, over the past decade or so, it's decreasing thanks to the energy intensity control target by the government, because China has the five-year plan, and that includes the energy intensity per GDP. Uh, that means energy consumption per GDP uh, reduction target. And so, looking forward, I mean from 2021 to 2030, and um, the energy intensity will be will be keeping uh, reducing. Uh, for cement and steel production, uh, the trend is similar, especially for steel production, uh, because the cement production in the past uh, 15 years is it's reducing a lot and the annual change of cement production in terms of energy uh, intensity has been reduced in the past decade. Uh, but if you see the steel production, Uh, the energy intensity is still maintaining at a higher level than cement. So under the two scenarios, uh, there is a difference, although not that huge, but there is a difference. Uh, The APS is increasing uh, annually, and for the uh, ATS scenario from 2020 to 2030, the trend is decreasing. uh, With the annual kind of, uh, I think the annual decreasing of around 10 million, 10 this level for steel production.
1: Yeah, so uh, industrial processes uh, is a big uh, player in cutting off the carbon emissions in 2026 to 2030. Other sectors, as we mentioned, the power generation sector is uh, the number one. And uh, the transport and the building sectors are also very important to talk about the potential to reduce the consumption of the energy So the report shows how much more capacities are needed to uh, under the ATS to reduce the co-use, particularly in the renewable energy and the uh, electric vehicles and the heat pumps in buildings. And here we can see IEA shows very important uh, data that uh, to reduce the uh, co-use in that five years period of time, uh, the wind and the solar energy will increase additional 50 gigawatt, more than 50 gigawatts compared to the uh, APS scenario. Uh, regarding the electric cars and the heat pumps, at least about uh, 5 to 10% uh, need to be added into the target. Uh, so I think uh, this tail uh, across the sector from the power to transport to building, how much additional capacity need need to be added in to achieve the ATS scenario?
0: That's right. If you see the electric vehicles, new car sales around 2030, I mean, the percentage of the new car sales will be close to 50%. So for both scenarios, you can see the percentage of new car sales by 2030 is pretty high. Uh, and maybe electric vehicle development in the future might be a black horse uh, of all the kind of clean energy technologies in China. And why is that? Mm, Maybe this report, I mean, the analysis here is in line with the car manufacturers' uh, pledges in the past year. Because if you see the car manufacturers' pledges, I mean, they have the uh, 2050... A net zero goal or some of them they have the uh, new car sales uh, by 2030 or 2035 is all electric vehicles this kind of goal so although china has no official plan, but but if you see the general trend maybe that can support why iea is giving this promising trend of future development of evs
1: yeah i think among the top three car market The EU and the US government have already uh, issued this target. By 2030, the new sale of the light uh, duty vehicles have to be 50% coming from uh, electric vehicles. Although China hasn't issued any this kind of policy, but China has the biggest car market in the world and the major car manufacturers, they all have operations in China. So I think they're trying to use the reference uh, situation from EU and the U.S. to reflect, okay, maybe China have capacity in terms of the market size and manufacturing capacity and technology to uh, follow st- uh, the steps of EU and uh, U.S. So that's why I think uh, I, in the IEA report, the electric uh, cars uh, target by 2030 is between 45 percent and 50 percent in terms of the new cars uh, sales so i think this is relatively reliable when we consider the the market uh, move as you mentioned in the past year a lot of new pledges from the car manufacturers so one thing related to the ev is the battery Uh, definitely china is the number one battery capacity in the world uh, currently, maybe China produce uh, electric vehicle batteries around 60% of the global consumption. But I think uh, the report IEA's authors, might overestimate the China's battery uh, manufacturing capacity, particularly in the, in the future. Because uh, when EU and the US have this kind of electric vehicle development targets, the industry will uh, catch up and they will build up more capacity which are close to the market. So I think not only the neighboring countries like South Korea and Japan will catch up uh, as uh, because they are the major powerhouses and the manufacturer of the cars around the world. And they definitely want to compete with China and also EU uh, led by Germany and France and the US, they might produce more uh, capacity of the manufacturing batteries for, for electric vehicles. So I think, uh, in this sense, there will be more competitions in this area in the future. And in the IEA reports, uh, the author might have overconfidence in China's manufacturing capacity in the future in, in this field.
0: That's right. So now let's move on to the other. Clean Energy Technologies, the report listed another three ones. Electrolysis for hydrogen, CCS for cement, and fuel cells for trucks. So these are the three ones. And the APS, there is electrolysis for hydrogen capacity. That's around 30 gigawatt. And ATS, they will bring another 60 gigawatt on top of they electrolyzes a capacity. So while for the fuel cells trucks, there's no much difference under the two uh, scenarios. But for CCS Plus Cement, this technology option, you can see under the uh, ATS and APS, uh, there is a huge difference because I mean, there's no uh, CCS Plus Cement technology applicable under the APS. Scenario. So only ATS, they have uh, a number there. Uh, meaning, so maybe in the future, especially from 20 to 2030, uh, IEA thinks uh, cement plus CCS uh, and the application of CCS will be uh, dominant. I mean, during those 10 years time.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that might be interesting to dig it a little bit further, you know, According to some other researchers like uh, commercial uh, consultancy uh, firms, uh, the cement plus CCS is a quite promising area in all the CCS-related heavy industries. As we, we said before, cement uh, is one the, of well, the top three industries consuming a lot of energy and uh, emits a lot of carbon.
0: That's true. I had read a report from McKinsey and Company, so they they have the reports. I mean, in different sectors, how to achieve carbon neutrality for these sectors. We read the the one for steel sector, and I read the the one for cement sector. So so you can see, uh, for cement sector, maybe uh, China has the pilots already, as John mentioned, and also cement is different from steel. Although the proportion of emissions. Mm-hmm still is a bit higher than cement in terms of the percentage to the Chinese total emissions. But if you see cement se- uh, sector, the raw materials, namely the limestone, they can produce sealed tool at the same time. So that's something that could not be changed easily. I mean, otherwise, um, unless, I mean, you change the raw material from limestones to other ones, but I mean, currently you just could not replace it uh, so cement plus CCS might be option to abate uh, uh, the CO two from this sector. I think that's because of the technology options. So
1: you know, Jiaqiao, when we uh, look into the reports, uh, we have seen a lot of the data and technology analysis and some policy measures, but uh, we don't uh, see a lot of uh, finance. Uh, and uh, uh, financial analysis, although we have some. So I I think uh, lastly, we may uh, discuss a little bit about the finance uh, because that will be a significant factor uh, that uh, influence how possible the government can uh, mobilize the resources, the financial resources to uh, materialize the policy measures. You know, according to the uh, IEA reports, from 2026 to 2030, in order to reduce the use of coal, China needs to invest about um, 125 billion U.S. dollars into wind power and uh, solar power because this is the major resources uh, for the power generation to phase out the coal. And you know, this size of the financing and the investment is huge. Uh, When we compare to the last five years, uh, 13 five years plan, the annual power investment, including the power generation and the power grid uh, is about a similar size, as I just mentioned. So if we put that into the account, I do think the investment demand is huge. Uh, whether Chinese government has uh, sufficient resources to fulfill this investment commitment, I think it's still an open question
0: mm. but it looks like iE has a more positive perspective on china 's future investment in renewable energy, especially for twenty twenty six to twenty thirty this period of time
1: yeah, when our colleagues attended the, the report release event. On 29th uh, september but uh, that event was not really getting gaining attention a lot from public and uh, from my understanding i think uh, just as we discussed in the financing part uh, if we can have a a lot of uh, economic analysis how the resources can be uh, used in a more efficient way how can China use its uh, um, public and private fin- financing vehicles and the mechanism to support continually um, large amount of investment in renewables and other low-carbon technologies, I think it's quite a uh, big issue, but we haven't uh, seen a lot of uh, detailed um, examination in the report. But anyway, uh, next episode, we'll go into the long-term uh, discussion about the carbon neutrality ban 2060 and we may find more information uh, to share with our audience and hope you enjoy our talk today uh, if you have any question about this episode about our discussion you are welcome to contact us via email info at or searching us uh, on LinkedIn we wish our Listeners, stay healthy and do well. And until now, we see you next time.
0: See you next time. Bye bye.